0: chapter 5 of the riddle of the frozen flame by mary e hanshu and thomas w hanshu this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter 5 the spectre at the feast merriton clad in his evening clothes and looking exceedingly handsome stood by the smoking room door with tony west short and thick-set wearing a suit that fitted badly and a collar which looked sizes too large for him, Merriton had long given up hope of making him visit a decent tailor, and waited for the sound of motor-wheels which would announce the arrival of further guests. It was the memorable Tuesday dinner given in the first place for Dacre Wynne as a sort of send-off before he left for Cairo. In the second merriton intended to break it gently to the other chaps that he was shortly to become a benedict lester stark and tony west very loyal and proven friends of nigel merriton had arrived the evening before dacre wynne was coming down by the seven o'clock train dicky fordyce reginald lefroy both fellow officers of merriton's regiment and home on leave from india and mild old Dr. Bartholomew, whom everyone respected and few did not love, and who was in attendance at most of the bachelor spreads in London and out of it, as being a dry old body with a wit as fine as a rapier thrust and a fund of delicate, subtle humour, made up the little party. The solemn front doorbell of Meryton Towers clanged, and Borkins, very pompous and elegant, flung wide the door. Meryton saw Wynne's big, broad-shouldered figure swathed in the black evening cloak which he affected upon such occasions, and which became him mightily, and with an opera hat set at the correct angle upon his closely-clipped dark hair, step into the lighted hallway and begin taking off his gloves tony west's raspy voice chimed out a welcome as merriton went forward his hand outstretched hello old man said tony how goes it looking a bit white about the gills aren't you eh phew merriton old chap that's my ribs if you don't mind i have no penchant of your bayonet-like elbow to go prodding into em merriton raised an eyebrow frowned heavily and by every other method under the sun tried to make it plain to west that the topic was taboo wherefore west raised his eyebrows began to make a hasty exclamation thought better of it and then clapping his hand over his mouth broke into whistling the latest jazz tune as though he had completely extricated both feet from the unfortunate mire he had planted them in but with very little success. Wynne was a frowning Hercules as he entered the pleasant, smoke-filled room. Merriton's arm lay upon his sleeve, and he endured because he had to. That was all. "Hello," he said to Lester Stark's rather half-hearted greeting. Lester Stark never had liked Dacre Wynne,
1: and they both knew it. "'You here as well?' Merriton's giving me a send-off, and no mistake. Gad, you chaps will be envying me this time next week, I'll swear. Out on the Briny for a decently long trip. Plenty of pretty women. On which I'm banking, of course. He gave Merriton a sudden, searching look. And not a care in the world. And the white lights of Cairo staring at me across the water. Some picture, isn't it? "'You may keep it,' said Tony West with a shudder. "'And
0: you've smelled Cairo, win, old boy you'll come skulking home with your tail between your legs. "'A rose by any other name would smell as sweet, but
1: Cairo—parts of it, mind you—well, Cairo's the stinkingst rose I ever put my nose into, that's all.' "'There are some things which offend the nostrils more than odors threw back
0: Wynne with a black look in Nigel's direction, and with a sort of slur in his voice that showed he had been drinking more than was good for him that
1: night. "'I think I can endure the smells of Cairo after other things, eh, Nigel?'
0: He forced a laugh which was mirthless and unpleasant. "'And Meryton—' with a quick glance into his friends' faces, saw that they too had seen. Wynne was in one of his devil humours, and all the fun and joking and merriment in the world would never get him out of it. His pity for the man suddenly died a natural death. The very evident fact that Wynne had been drinking rather heavily merely added a further distaste to it all. He wished heartily that he had never ventured upon this act of unwanted friendliness and given a dinner in his honour. Wynne was going to be the spectre at the feast, and it looked like being a poor sort of show after all. "'Come back up, old chap,' broke out Tony West, the irrepressible. "'Try to look a little less like a sad lemon if you can.' "'or we'll begin to think that you've been and gone and done something you're sorry for "'and are trying to work it off on us instead. "'Hello, here's Dr. Johnson,' as the venerable Bartholomew entered the room. "'How goes it tonight, sir? A fine night, what? "'Behold the King of the Feast, his serene and mighty, oh, extremely mighty, highness Prince Dacre Wynne!' world explorer and soon-to-be lord high sniffer of cairo's smells don't envy him the task do you he bowed with a flourish to the doctor who chuckled and his keen eyes fringed with snow-white lashes danced he wore a rather long extremely untidy beard and his shirt-front as always was crumpled and worn "'Anything more unlike a doctor it would be hard to imagine, "'but he was a clever one nevertheless. "'Well, my talkative young parrot,' he greeted West affectionately,
1: "'and how are you? "'And whose party is this, anyhow, yours or Merriton's? "'You seem to be putting yourself rather more to the fore than usual.'
0: "'Well, I'll soon be going aft,' retorted West with a wide grin. "'When old Nigel gets his innings, "'he's as chock full of news as an egg is of meat.' "'West was one of the chosen few "'who had already heard of Nigel's engagement, "'and he was rather like a gossipy old woman, "'but his friends forgave it in him. Merriton gave him a shove, "'and he fell back upon Wynne, "'emitting a portentous groan. "'What the devil!' began that gentleman in a testy voice. "'Tony grinned. "'Nigel was ever thus,' he murmured with uplifted eyes. "'Shut up!' thundered Stark, clapping a hand over West's mouth, "'and he subsided as the doorbell rang again, "'and Borkins ushered in Fordyce and Lefroy, 2 slim-hipped, dapper young gentlemen "'with the stamp of the army all over them. "'The party thus complete, Borkins gravely withdrew.' and some fifteen minutes later the great gong in the hallway clanged out its summons. They streamed into the dining-room, Dr. Bartholomew upon Tony West's fat little arm, Fordyce and Lefroy side by side, hands in pockets and closely cropped heads nodding vigorously, Merriton and Lester Stark sauntering one slightly behind the other and exchanging pleasantries as they went, and just in front of them Dacre Wynne, solitary, huge, sinister, and overbearing. Wynne sat in the seat of honour on Merriton's right. The rest sorted themselves out as they wished, and made a good deal of noise and fun about it, too. Down the length of the long, exquisitely decorated table, Merriton looked at his guests, and thought it wasn't going to be so dismal after all. Champagne ran like water, and spirits ran high. They joyfully toasted Wynne, and later on the news that Meryton imparted to them. In vain Dacre Wynne's low spirits were apparent. He must get over his grouch, that was all. Then once again the spirit of evil descended upon the gathering, and it was Stark who precipitated its flight. "'By the way, Nigel,' he asked suddenly, "'isn't there some ghost story or other pertaining to your district? "'Give us a recital of it, old boy. "'Walnuts and wine and ghost stories, you know, "'are just the right sort of thing after a dinner like this. "'Tony, switch off the lights. "'This old house of yours is the very place for ghosts. "'Now, let us have it.' "'Hold on.' "'Nigel remonstrated. "'Give me a chance to digest my dinner and dash it all. "'The thing's so deuced uncanny that it doesn't bear too much laughing at either.' "'Come along!' six voices echoed the cry. "'We're waiting, Nigel!' "'So Merriton had forthwith to oblige them. "'He too had had enough to drink, "'though drinking too heavily was not one of his vices.' "'and his flushed face showed the excitement that burned within him. "'Come over here by the window and see the thing for yourselves, "'and then you shall hear the story,' he began enigmatically. "'Nigel pushed back the heavy curtain, and there, in the darkness without, "'it was getting on toward ten o'clock.' gleamed and danced and flickered the little flames that had so often puzzled him, and filled his soul with a strange sort of supernatural fear. Against the blackness beyond they hung like a chain of diamonds, irregularly strung, flickering incessantly. Every man there save one, and that one stood apart from the others like some giant bull who deigns not to run with the herd, "'gave an involuntary exclamation. "'What a deuced pretty sight!' "'remarked Fordyce in his pleasant drawl. "'What is it, some sort of fair or other? "'Didn't know you had such things in these parts.' "'We don't.' "'It was Merriton who spoke rather curtly, "'for the remark sounded inane to his ears. "'It is no fair, you ass. "'It's God knows what.' "'That's the point of the whole affair. "'What are those flames, and where do they come from? "'That part of the fens is uninhabited, "'a boggy, marshy, ghostly spot "'which no one in the whole countryside will cross at night. "'The story goes that those who do, "'well, they never come back.'
1: "'Oh, go easy, Nigel,'
0: struck in Tony West "'with a whistle of pretended astonishment.' "'Champagne, no doubt, but it's the truth according to the villagers, anyhow,' returned Merriton soberly. "'That is how the story goes, my lad, and you chaps asked me for it. "'Those frozen flames—it's the villagers' name, not mine—they say are supernatural phenomena, "'and anyone, as I said before, crossing the place near them at night, disappears clean off the face of the earth.' Then a new flame appears. The soul of the Johnny who has gone out. "'Any proof?' inquired Dr. Bartholomew suddenly, stroking his beard and arching his bushy eyebrows, as if trying to sympathise with his host's obvious half-belief in the story. Nigel wheeled and faced him in the dim light. The pupils of his eyes were a trifle dilated. "'Yes, so I understand.' "'Short time back a chap went out, fellow called Myers, Will Myers. "'He was a bit drunk, I think, and thought he'd have a shot "'at making the village busybodies sit up and give them something to talk about. "'Anyhow, he went. "'And he came back.' "'Unconsciously a little note of anxiety had crept into Tony West's voice. "'No, on the contrary, he did not come back. They searched for his body all over the marshes next day, but it had disappeared absolutely, and the chap who told me said he saw another light come out the next night and join the rest of them. There, there's your story, Lester. Make what you like of it. I've done my bit and told it anyway. For a moment there was silence, then Stark shook himself. Gad! what an uncanny story!' "'Turn up the lights, someone, and dispel this gloom "'that seems to have settled on everyone. "'What do you make of it?' "'Suddenly Wynne's great, bulky figure swung free from the shadows. "'There were red glints in his eyes, and a sneer curled his heavy lips. "'He sucked his cigar and threw his head back.
1: "'What I make of it is a whole lot of old women's damned silly nonsense.' "'he announced in a loud voice. "'And how a sensible, decent-thinking man can give credence to the thing for one second "'beats me completely. "'Nigel's head was always full of imaginations of a sort. "'But how you other chaps can listen to the thing? "'Well, all I can say is you are the rottenest lot of idiots I have ever come across.'
0: "'Merriton shut his lips tightly for a moment.' "'and tried hard to remember that this man was a guest in his house. "'It was so obvious that Wynne was trying for a row, "'Dr. Bartholomew turned round and lifted a protesting hand. "'Don't you think your language is a trifle, uh, over Wynne?' "'he said, in that quiet voice of his, "'which made all men listen and wonder why they did it. "'Wynne tossed his shoulders, his thick neck was rather red
1: no i'm damned if i do your men here are supposed to be not a pack of weak-kneed women afraid to go out and see what those lights are are you well i'm not look here i'll have a bet with you boys fifty pounds that i get back safely and dispel the morbid fancies from your kindergarten brains by telling you that the things are glow-worms or some fool out for a practical joke on the neighbourhood, which has fallen for it like this sort of one-horse hole-in-the-corner place would. Fifty pounds. What say you?
0: He glowered round upon each of them in turn, his sneering lips showing the pointed dog's teeth behind them, his whole arrogant
1: personality brutally awake who'll take it on you merriton fifty pounds man that i don't get back safely and report to you chaps at twelve o'clock to-night
0: merriton's flushed face went a shade or two redder and he took an involuntary step forward it was only the doctor's fingers upon his coat sleeve that restrained him Then, too, he felt some anxiety that this drunken fool should attempt to do the very thing which another drunken fool had attempted three months back. He couldn't bet on another man's chance of life like he would on a racehorse. "'You'll be a fool if you go, Wynne,' he said as quietly as his excitement would permit. "'As my guest, I ask you not to.' The thing may be all rubbish, possibly is, but I'd rather you took no chances. Who it is that hides out there and kills his victims or smuggles them away, I don't know. But I'd rather you didn't, old chap. And I'm not betting on a fellow's life. Have another drink, man, and forget all about it. Wynne took this creditable effort at reconciliation with a harsh guffaw. He crossed to Nigel and put his big, heavy hands upon the slim shoulders, bending his flushed face down so that the eyes of both were almost upon a level.
1: "'You little white-livered sneak!' he said in a deep, rumbling voice that was like thunder in the still room. "'Pull yourself together and try to be a man. Take on the bet or not, whichever you like.' You're saving up for the housekeeping, I suppose. Well, take it or leave it. Fifty pounds that I get back safe in this house tonight. Are you on? Merriton's teeth bit into his lips
0: until the blood came in the effort at repression. He shook Wynne's hands off his shoulders and laughed straight into the other man's sneering face. Well, then, go and be damned to you. "'he said fiercely, "'and blame your drunken wits if you come to grief. "'I've done my best to dissuade you. "'If you were less drunk, I'd square the thing up and fight you. "'But I'm on all right. Fifty pounds that you don't get back here, "'though I'm decent enough to hope I'll have to pay it. "'That satisfy you?'
1: "'All right.'
0: Wynne straightened himself, "'took an unsteady step forward toward the door.' and it was then that they all realised how exceedingly drunk the man was. He had come to the dinner in a state of partial intoxication which merely made him bad-tempered, but now the spirit that he had partaken of so plentifully was burning itself into his very brain. Dr. Bartholomew took a step toward him. "'Dash it all!' he said under his breath. "'and addressing no one in particular. "'He can't go like that. "'Can't some of us stop him?' "'Try,' put in Lester Stark sententiously, "'having had previous experiences of Wynne's mood. "'So Dr. Bartholomew did try and got cursed for his pains. "'Wynne was struggling into his great picturesque cloak, "'a sinister figure of unsteady gait and bloodshot eye. As he went to the hall and swung open the front door, Merriton made one last effort to stop him. "'Don't be a fool, Wynne,' he said anxiously. "'The game's not worth the candle. "'Stay where you are and I'll put you up for the night, "'but in heaven's name don't venture out across the fens now.'" Wynne turned and showed him a reddened, congested face from which the eyes gleamed evilly. Merriton never forgot that picture of him, or the sudden tightening of the heartstrings that he experienced, the sudden sensation of foreboding that swept over him.
1: "'Oh, go to hell!'
0: Wynne said thickly, and plunged out into the darkness. End of chapter 5